This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of the Auburn Undercover Podcast. This is Keith Niebuhr with Auburn Undercover and 24-7 Sports. And we truly have a special guest today. I mean, this guy is, I mean, he's, he's the the... He's everything, man. I mean, this guy is the, the bright young star of the journalism world. Uh, his writing's been compared to Tolstoy, Hemingway, uh, Edgar Allan Poe, too, I hear. Uh, his name's Nathan King. And so why would I have Nathan King on? You've probably seen his work on other sites uh, over the last couple of years. Well, the reason I have him on is because Nathan King is now a new Auburn Tigers beat writer for Auburn Undercover and 24-7 Sports. So we want to introduce everybody to Nathan King. You're going to love this guy and you're going to love his work. First of all, Nathan, thanks for coming on the podcast and really thanks for joining the team at Auburn Undercover and 24-7 Sports. Yeah, of course, Keith. I'm, uh, I'm really, really excited. I, this has been something I've been looking forward to ever since I found out it was going to happen. Um, you know, this is, a, this is a crazy football season. This is something we've never seen before. Um, and so I'm really excited to cover it for you guys and to um, really begin, you know, the, my first big boy job, I guess I say in quotes. Um, is with you guys. And so it's re- it really, it's a cliche, but this is a dream come true. Um, and I'm so, so excited to, to put everything I've gotten to this website. Well, we're going to give a, uh, the listeners a little bit of your background and then have you talk about that. And uh, not too much though, because at the end of the day, Auburn football and Auburn sports is what they want to hear about. Not, not you, Nathan, don't take that personally. They don't care about you as much and they don't care about me as much, but I want them to get to know you a little bit. So uh, your background, you, you grew up both in Orlando and Huntsville and you attended Auburn University. What led you to Auburn? Yeah, so I actually grew up, uh, grew up around Alabama people. I grew up in an Alabama. Both my parents are Bama grads. Uh, my older brother went to Bama. My parents visited my younger brother at Bama this weekend. Um, I don't know. I, I, I visited Auburn while I was in high school and uh, took trips everywhere. And, and I don't know, it, it just kind of felt right to me. Um, and then not long into my freshman year, I realized that I made the right decision. It just, everything had the right kind of feel to it. Um, and then, yeah, once I got on campus, I, I started getting involved with the student newspaper, the Plainsman, and uh, that got me hooked. From there, I, I saw nothing but a, but a career in journalism and writing, even though people told me it wasn't the most realistic thing in the world and they told me to do other things. I, I was loving it too much. I was loving hanging out with you guys and writing with you guys, working with y'all. Um, and I, I guess it eventually worked out for me because here we are. Nathan, I think the, the fans uh, of Auburn are going to love that you went to Auburn. But, you know, as a reporter, obviously, there's a fine line uh, to, you know, you don't want to be in the tank for the program you cover. Uh, you know, it's okay to love the school you went to. It's okay to admire the program, but you have to kind of separate the two. Why, why do you feel, why is that better for the reader if you don't wear that fan hat to the job? To explain to them why you feel like it's, it's you got to separate the two. Yeah, I'm really, that's, I'm really glad you bring it up because I think that's a big issue right now in sports media. You look all across the country, you, you'll turn on SportsCenter and one of the anchors will say, my beloved Seahawks lost today. And I, I guess in that setting, it's not necessarily the biggest of deals. Um, but just when you're talking about a perception as a website, right? So the perception of Auburn Undercover, um, it shouldn't be as a fan site. 
because there's there's things that are fan sites. Pe- fans can do their own thing, um, and there are people who are you know diehard fans of of Auburn who do really great journalism work. Um, but it yeah. just it just yeah. comes from a reputation. I think once you once you kind of have shown that you're you know you're you're towing that line, like you said, you're an objective reporter. Um, then everything you report, it, it's it's got no undertones to it. People aren't assuming that you feel one way or the other. I I can't remember who said this, but it's something that stuck with me while I was in college is that, look, I report, you decide, right? You, you know, you, you present the information um, and the readers and the consumers, they're the ones who, okay, take away from it. That's what's so great about it. They can read about stuff after a game, get their takeaways, all that stuff. But if you have kind of a history of biases or a history of being not objective, then they can't decide because you are deciding for them. You're, you're presenting these ideas and they kind of have these undertones like, well, this guy's been kind of a homer in the past. Yeah. So um, yeah, I think it's really important. That's when I was at the Plainsman and I was an editor. That's what I tried to preach every single year at the beginning of the year. I said, look, y'all got to take your Auburn, your Auburn caps off. Literally, you got to take them off. Don't cover the game with an Auburn hat on. Like you literally have to separate that part of yourself. I, yeah, I think it's definitely a really, really important thing for young journalists to learn. Nathan, at the end of the day, it's, it's not about who people like you and me pull for. It's about what information we get to the readers. They're paying our salaries. They've given you this great opportunity. They've given me the greatest opportunity in my life covering Auburn, Auburn sports. And we owe it to them to work our sources and get them as much good and, and valuable and honest and, and reliable information as possible. And what I've learned through the years, and, and, and I'm sure you have too, is that uh, I think fans think that if you are a fan of the team you cover, you're going to get more info from, from coaches. It actually can work against you because, as, and I know you've probably seen it and I have, sometimes the fan that covers a team uh, the minute the wheels come off, he's the first one trying to push the coaching staff out the door. And they know that. And they more likely, more often than not, trust the guy that treats them the same no matter what. And again, at the end of the day, it's always about the reader. It's got to be. All right, Nathan, uh, you know, you, you got into this uh, at a young age. You, you've uh, covered Auburn the last, uh, what, a couple years for Auburn Sports, part of the Rivals Network and uh, our competitor, some great people over there. Um, so, in this role that you're going to have, you're going to be covering a lot of things, mainly Auburn football. You'll do basketball. You're going to help out with recruiting, but mainly Auburn football. The sources you've been able to develop over the last few years, what makes you think, hey, as a new guy on this beat, a young guy on this beat, I can bring the readers a lot of scoop. What, what is it that you've been able to accomplish in developing sources? And, um, you know, I, I'm talking in circles here, but if I'm an Auburn reader, why should I be happy Nathan King is now working for Auburn Undercover? Yeah, I think if you're going to ask, you know, what, in, in terms of the sourcing, I think probably since about my junior year of college, that's been my number one goal. I mean, when you see the things that kind of separate, um, everybody can, can write the same stories after games and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think there's two things that really separate people, and that's um, the information that nobody else has, right? There's, there's tons of information out there that's going to go out eventually. Um, it's just the people who in the industry who will tell you beforehand, well, now, like you said, it's all about the reader. Now your readers feel like insiders. They feel like they have the most information. People love Auburn football. They live and breathe it. They want to know everything as it happens. And that's what makes this fan base so rabid. It's what makes them so great. Uh, I just, I have a huge drive in that department. Um, in college, it's not something you can necessarily accomplish at a high level, at least in my opinion. I think as a college student, you have great relationships with players um, because you're around their age. I think there's a lot of trust in that department. Um, but I think you're, there's kind of this unfortunate stigma, or at least that I experienced, of uh, being a college journalist. Kind of like you said, you know, people aren't sure whether you've taken off that, that fan cap yet. 
So in terms of me developing in my career, that's easily the number one thing I'm seeking advice on. um, I'm trying to strive toward. Um, That's something that, you know, in this first year in this, in this job that I'm so blessed to have right now, um, I'm going to be working with you guys every day, really, really trying to to bring the heat in that department. Um, And then other than that, I mean, what readers should be excited about. um, I mean, this is my passion. This is what I love to do. I wake up every morning and this is, um, it, it really does get me up in the morning. This is still, this is what I love to do. Um, that I've never really felt burnt out by this job at all. Um, granted, I've never had it as a, as a, like I said, a big boy job before. Um, but, you know, in college, when people would ask, what do you want to do? I said, I wanted to be a beat writer covering major college sports. Hmm. So here I am in that dream job. Um, so now I just want to take advantage of it. I want to take advantage of this, uh, of this awesome opportunity. And I'm excited to do it at such a prestigious and uh, successful and awesome site like Auburn Undercover that has such a great history um, of really, really good reporters. Well, and I think you're going to be, and we'll get onto the team soon, guys. I just wanted to make sure you got to know who Nathan was. Uh, Nathan's really, you know, as a young guy living in Auburn, he's, you know, most of the fans, most of our subscribers, they don't live in Auburn. You're really going to be the eyes and ears on the ground in Auburn. And, and when you see things and you, and you go on the message board and you say, hey, I ran into Coach, uh, Coach Burns at Acre tonight and uh they're gonna love that they're gonna eat that up because you're gonna put them in auburn and anybody that went to auburn they don't uh it sticks with you and uh whether they're in new york city or san francisco or bozeman montana um they want to feel like they're in auburn and i think nathan is going to be able to do that we're going to talk about auburn's 29 13 win over kentucky in just a moment and then we'll uh we will also Nathan's going to give us some thoughts. Sorry, I'm tongue-tied here. Nathan's going to give us some thoughts on the upcoming game next weekend against Georgia. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, Nathan, Auburn 29, Kentucky 13. You know, it's funny, uh, so many people picked Auburn to either, to, to lose that game, okay? They were ripe for the upset. And then when they win, uh, it was like, God, they, yeah, but they didn't look good. And it's like, well, wait a second. You, you, a lot of you thought they were going to lose. They won. What are your takeaways from that game? Personally, I thought it was a pretty good opening week win. A lot of, lot, look, there's a lot of stuff that needs to be corrected, but a pretty solid opening week win, especially when you consider the alternative, which was at certain points in that game, it, it was tenuous. It looked like it could go either way. So your, your big takeaways from opening week for Auburn. Yeah, I think when you've looked all across the country at how other teams have opened their seasons, there's been a lot of uh, stepping on your own toes and, and kind of stumbling out of the gates, per se. Um, I don't think Auburn did a lot of that. I think it was a really slow offensive start for them. But at the same time, this is a brand new offensive coordinator in Chad Morris. And I think you saw in the second half, Bo Nix take some really, really big steps. Um, I mean, I, I'm pretty much sold that he's going to take that second step this year after that game. Um, I think you've got to look you know, from year one to year two, you look at really the things he struggled with last year. Some of those were completely eliminated in this game. I thought he did a great job, I think, of climbing the pocket. I think that's something that people looked at quarterbacks last year, like Joe Burrow. Um, You know, what were the things that he improved on within that offense in an NFL type offense? That's what an NFL quarterback teacher will tell you to do is start to climb that pocket, 
get a feel for the offensive line. And look, this was a retooled offensive line um, that was rotating guys in and out. Bo Nix is not used to these guys. He doesn't have game experience with these guys. And yet he looked really comfortable. So that was probably my number one takeaway just because of how important Bo Nix is for this offense this season. Um, but at the same time, on the other side of the ball, um, I know Philip wrote about it this weekend that uh, some things never change and it, and it still looked like a Kevin Steele defense. I know there's no Marlon Davidson. There's no Derek Brown. You're not going to replace that star power this year, but I mean, you may be able to replace that production. They had a few busts here and there, but I think overall those new guys in the secondary played really well. Jalen Simpson had some really good snaps. Um, they've still got some things to figure out along the defensive line, but um, the word I keep coming back to with this win is competent. I just, you know, so many teams, it seems like they don't have an identity right now because of the way things are, you know, an abbreviated off season. Um, Auburn looked like it, it knows what it's doing on both sides of the ball. Now, is it fully fleshed out? Is it 100% of what it's going to be this season? Not even close. But it looks like it kind of has an idea um, of what it wants to accomplish on both sides of the ball. Bo Nix's game and the tackling and, you know, the sound play of Kevin Steele's defense, I think, being the foremost among those. Nathan, there was some concern from some of the readers on the board, you know, that they, they thought the offense was sort of vanilla, not what they expected, didn't, weren't able to run a lot of plays. I'm going to ask you this question. From my point of view – uh, and and pe- some people on the board have said, I need to start leaving my points of view out of these things and rely on the experts here. But, uh, uh, but anyway, I digress. Uh, look, it seemed like that knowing that Kentucky was a ball control offense, that Auburn really couldn't risk too much because if, if any three and out maybe meant that Kentucky would be back on the field for eight or nine minutes again. And it, it's even harder to get in any kind of rhythm that way. But uh, just overall thoughts on the, on the offense and the offensive line. You, you said it a minute ago, but do you feel like they're just scratching the surface? Like, are we going to see more uh, complexities to it this coming week, you think? Yeah, I think this Chad Morris offense is definitely going to take a few weeks to get settled in. Um, I mean, look, he preached all offseason about throwing to the tight ends and throwing to the running backs. Look, we only got one tight end reception. I know it's not the it's not the end-all be-all for Chad Morris's success. I do think you saw things, again, out of Bo Nix and out of the type of throws that he was making. Look, he was really good down the field. He was great pushing that ball down the field. I know he's got some really good weapons. I thought Eli Stove had a good game. Everyone's talking about Seth Williams. You've got a guy like Seth. He's going to bail you out a lot of the time. But he didn't just do that. He didn't just bail out Bo Nix. We're talking about some confident throws down the field where he looked really, really comfortable. And then bringing back to the offensive line, like you said, this isn't something that's going to continue throughout the season. You know, Gus Malzahn said before the first game, we're going to play both left tackles. Well, now it turns out apparently they were going to play both right guards too. That's not something I think you can continue throughout the season. I I think it's going to take a few weeks and then you're going to solidify something along the offensive front. But again, for the first game where number one, the running game wasn't explosive. It did a lot of good things, but it wasn't incredible. And the offensive line was being, you know, moved in and out every other drive in the second half. Um, your leader, your, your guy in Bo Nix was kind of that centralizing force that kept everything in place. And I think that bodes really well for the offense moving forward. Yeah, you know, uh, there's been some concern among some fans why Auburn didn't uh, get the ball more to Anthony Schwartz, the fastest player in America, Auburn's speedy receiver. But Stove having a big game probably was a result of the attention the defense, one, paid to Schwartz. And two, by Stove having that big game, that probably helps out Anthony Schwartz Uh, in the long run. What did you think of those receivers as a whole? I I thought they had a pretty nice game. Yeah, I think that Eli Stove did a great job of getting himself open down the field. He was targeted four times and he caught him every single time. Um, You're talking about a guy at Seth Williams that is just an absolute mismatch. Um, I mean, we knew this guy was going to be a stud when he was a freshman and he was making those game-winning 
touchdown catches against Texas A&M. Obviously, he made a game-winning one against Oregon last year. Um, but you always just felt like he was going to just keep taking another step forward. I think that's why so many people this preseason said, look, he could be the Auburn's next 1,000-yard receiver. Now they're only playing 10 games instead of 12 now. But he had over 100 yards in just the first game. So on an average, he's already on his way there. Um, you just look at what they drew up for him, uh, what they designed for him down near the goal line, I think um, is really, really impressive. I, I watched the replay again today. Um, that was the third try on that goal line fade with him against one defensive back. And they finally got it to work. That just shows this season um, that he might be their number one offensive weapon. They're going to keep on coming back to him um, because as shown on that touchdown catch that was pretty disrespectful yeah. to Kelvin Joseph, um, he can, really can't be stopped sometimes. So I think he is their number one offensive weapon right now. Going back to Schwartz, I don't think he necessarily did an incredible job of getting himself open down the field. Um, Xavion Capers, the freshman, lots of playing time for him. He had a great game. Um, so I think Schwartz is going to have to step it up in that department. They got it to him a little bit over the course of the game. But, uh, look, he can't just run jet sweeps. He's got to be a receiver as well. Nathan, when you look at the SEC, and I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody, but it feels like there's about five pass catchers that really stand out. Seth Williams, George Pickens. I know Auburn fans don't want to hear that, but George Pickens, absolutely. Uh, Kyle Pitts, the tight end at Florida, probably the best tight end, pass catching tight end uh, in the country, maybe in the last few years. Jalen Waddle at Alabama, and then the kid at LSU. Would you trade Seth Williams for any of those guys? I think for what Auburn does right now and for, and for who he is with Bo Nix, look, something a lot of the players talked about yesterday and Gus as well has harped on it over and over again um, is their chemistry is just going to continue to grow. Look, this may be the last year we see Seth Williams at Auburn. I know he's a great draft prospect for next year. Um, but you're, if you're an Auburn fan, you're just excited to see how he grows with Bo Nix. So I, I would say no, just because of that, because okay. of, you know, it, it, especially on that first touchdown, you could really see that, look, you know, the safety was in one place when the play started. Bo noticed that Seth noticed that he knew exactly where he needed to be. Kentucky thought they defended it well. Um, but he just goes up and he makes a great play. So yeah, the SEC is chock full of great pass catchers right now. But and, for who Bo Nix is, I, I think Seth Williams is probably the best fit. And, you know, I know during a game you're trying to watch 100 different things, but on Auburn's offensive line, was there one or two guys in your mind that stood out? Yeah, I thought Broderius Sam had a really good game there at right tackle. Um, maybe that's just comparatively speaking because of the struggles Alec Jackson had. Obviously he was pulled, not necessarily a benching, like that's – they're still trying to figure things out. He wasn't necessarily benched, but, but at the same time, Austin Troxell, I thought, did come in and play better there in the fourth quarter. Auburn was starting to beat down Kentucky's D-line. Um, and then I was impressed by what Brandon Council did. Um, you know, he's a guy that has a lot of experience behind him there at Akron playing so many different positions. Um, but Broham, I mean, he looked all the part of a, a preseason All-SEC selection like he was. He's going to be a guy they're really, really going to rely on there, especially as they're still kind of figuring out the equation at left tackle. What kind of grade would you give Auburn's defensive line? Yeah, there were a lot of, you know, factors going into that just because all of a sudden Big Cat Bryant is not playing the beginning. He came in later, obviously. And then Derek Hall is tossed from the game. Um, I think Daquan Newkirk had a really, really good day. He was probably the best guy there. He had their first sack of the season. I think he had something like two TFLs. He, he kind of resembled Derek Brown a little bit in the way he was kind of being a people mover. Um, Tyrone Truesdale had a great game. I would say – B minus, kind of a B somewhere in that department. Obviously, they got a, they got a high standard, don't they? They do. Yeah, they've got a lot to live up to. I don't. I don't think they're going to have the star power this year. They're not going to have one individual guy that's really going to take them there, like Derek Brown did, like Marlon Davidson did at times. But there's so much depth. I mean, you know, these guys as prospects, these are incredible guys. These are a ton of former blue chip guys. And the way Rodney Garner likes to develop his D line, the way he has had success with that in the past. 
I think it's only a matter of time. They've got a lot of good pieces. It's just going to be a matter of getting them some game experience and figuring out what the best rotation is. Yeah, and obviously some of those true freshmen and, and Juco guys, they're, they're going to be different players in midseason than they are now. But Nathan, let me ask you this. If you're sitting in the Auburn staff meeting room today and you're, you're with Gus and all the assistants and you, the, and you had, you know, you're thinking about this game from yesterday, what would be the biggest area of optimism for you? On offense, the easy answer is probably Bo Nix, just because you were looking for him to kind of have that chemistry with Chad Morris. You were looking for him to be comfortable in this system. But what I went back to yesterday, what me personally, what I was so impressed with was that, look, this staff was really concerned about tackling at the beginning of camp. There was no spring practice. There was nothing like that. Kentucky only broke four tackles all day. Um, and, and again, we, like we said at the beginning of the podcast, some things never change, and it, it just it resembled a Kevin Steele defense. There are different pieces. There are different players in. There's no Noah Igbenogany. Here's Jalen Simpson. You know, all these things. But you still got guys coming up. Christian Tutt absolutely blowing up plays in the backfield. This is a really, really talented secondary. I, I've maintained that all preseason. Um, there's so much talent here. And with more experience, them starting to figure out how to play off of each other, um, that's probably my biggest takeaway is that, look, it was a very weird offseason with – suboptimal practices and you got a really good showing out of your defense in terms of tackling and a forcing three turnovers isn't bad either all right biggest area of concern yeah i would just say the offensive and defensive lines probably maybe a little bit more offensive line not because they necessarily did badly i'm just not entirely sure if auburn wanted to be in this position going into georgia where they don't necessarily have answers um i know a lot of people have kind of been looking at the running game you know bo nicks led the team in rushing that's you know, you can either take that or leave that. But I think Sean Shivers did some really good things as the first running back. Tank Bigsby looked good in spurts. But at the same time, this is an offense right now that doesn't need them to be the first options. Bo Nix is creating these explosive plays for them in the passing game. So that's another thing that, you know, like we were talking about the Chad Morris offense, it's going to take a few games for them to figure out how they want to figure out this running back rotation. But yeah, I would look in the trenches um, because you're going to start playing these big boys in the SEC and Kentucky's a great team. But even next week in Georgia, they've got a lot of talent on their fronts and Auburn's going to be able to – has to be able to go toe-to-toe with them. All right, speaking of those Georgia Bulldogs, you know, uh, during the Auburn-Kentucky game, there was a lot of chatter on Twitter and on message boards. Boy, Auburn, boy, they're, they're in for a fight here. They've got some issues. And um, as it turns out, Georgia's got some issues too. Uh, and it's only week one. Look, I mean, you're a different team in week two than you are in week one, and they may be world beaters – the rest of the season, but it was a real struggle for, for Georgia, believe it or not, for a half in a 37 to 10 win over an Arkansas team that most people thought they'd blow out. Now the final score was a blowout, but Georgia trailed seven to five at the half, uh, trailed at many portions of the third quarter before just going on this uh, great stretch. It started with the touchdown pass to George Pickens, one time Auburn commit, and then, uh, then it was over with, uh, but Georgia, you know, uh, Starting quarterback DeWan Mathis really struggled. Stetson Bennett spelled him and, and really kind of saved the day for Georgia. But 37 to 10, and that's Auburn's opponent this coming week. Nathan, you watched that game too. Just some initial impress- impressions of Georgia. Yeah, I think if Auburn fans are going to, you know, look at their own first half against Kentucky where, you know, they probably should have been up by more. Well, they could have been up by more if that Roger McCreary interception had stood. But they weren't necessarily beating the tar out of Kentucky now. Kentucky's a top 25 team. Arkansas is not. Arkansas is very bad. Um, so I think it is a little bit concerning. Like we were saying before, these teams are stumbling out of the gate. Everybody's having a weird start to the season. It was a really strange offseason. 
I don't know if everybody can necessarily be Clemson and come out and just, you know, score 50 points and a half and, and bench their quarterback. At the same time, um, yeah, there's a lot of issues for Georgia, particularly at the quarterback position. Stetson Bennett did some good things in the second half, but I don't think he was necessarily the guy you were planning on, leaning on. I mean, a few months ago, he was your number four quarterback behind Jamie Newman, JT Daniels, Dewan Mathis, and then all the way down to him. I don't think they were necessarily – Kirby Smart was not wanting him to be the guy going against Auburn. Like I was saying, he, I mean, he did do some good things. Um, that running game looked pretty good. Like I said, their defense down the stretch – um, did some good things. I mean, this is a really, really talented Georgia defense. They think it could be the best of the Kirby Smart era so far. And that's saying some things because of how many NFL picks they've had. So, I mean, it's going to be a tough test for Auburn going into Athens. Obviously, Gus Malzahn hasn't had much success there. Um, they're going to have to be physical. And I think they're really going to have to get after Stetson Bennett and make things hard on him. Well, you know, Ethan, the one thing that hasn't changed, Georgia's still got a really solid defense. Gave up about 280 yards, I think exactly on the nose, 280 yards yesterday, forced three interceptions, uh, two with starting quarterback Felipe Franks. There was a pick six, uh, just a lot of pressure. Just uh, it made life really hard on Auburn. Uh, excuse me, on, on uh, Felipe Franks there. And um, they've got the ability to cause Bo Nix some issues too. So what is – I mean, that, that, that's really the matchup of the game. Is it not Auburn's offensive line versus – versus Georgia's defensive line? Yeah, for sure. I think that's the number one place you've got to be looking. Um, in order to, for Auburn to have success, they've got to do exactly what they did against Kentucky in terms of the simplicity of the offense. That's what, that's what Gus Malzahn, excuse me, said post-game was that, look, you know, you saw all these big passes and, and there were some really good chunk plays by Bo Nix making some good throws. But things were kept pretty simple, and I think a lot of that goes back to what we were talking about before with Chad Morris. It's going to take a few weeks for them to be – firing on all cylinders within this offense. Um, so you got to take what Georgia gives you in this game. You've got to be efficient. Um, you've got to have those explosive plays that you had against Kentucky. Um, and they've got to be turnover free because that was just absolutely huge for Auburn to not put themselves behind the eight ball against Kentucky. Uh, I mean, there's not going to be many fans at Georgia, but they're going to go absolutely crazy if any of the Bulldogs create some turnovers and Auburn doesn't have a very good history in that stadium. So they've got to play clean. Um, I think the first week is a good indication of how Bo Nix is going to play in that department this season. Yeah. Georgia, very solid up front, good linebackers. Monty Rice, one-time Auburn target, excellent player, probably their best linebacker, good in the secondary. Uh, Auburn's going to have to, Nate, correct me if I'm wrong here, they're going to have to keep those linebackers occupied. They're not going to just be able to – they can't allow them to just sit in the backfield all day. Is this the game we are going to see the tight ends and the running backs used in the passing game to, to kind of keep their minds off of something other than rushing Bo Nix? Yeah, and also to keep their minds off of covering people down the field. I think if you look at the Kentucky day, Kentucky game, we were talking about Anthony Schwartz not necessarily touching the ball a ton, but there were a few routes that I saw that he was running to kind of be a decoy um, to move that those linebackers out of the way. And so you've got to be smart when you're scheming against guys, like you said, like Monty Rice and Nicobe Dean and the talented guys they've got there in the front. They cannot let them play in the backfield. And Auburn didn't have a ton of negative plays. I thought their rushing rate was decently successful, especially with Shivers and Tank Biggs and DJ Williams struggled a little bit. Um, yeah, that offensive line, I know it's only week two and they're moving pieces around. Um, they've got to have some sort of push. It can't just be a guy like Ladarius Ham being successful. They've got to get push at every single level. They've got to get guys blocking on the second level. And yeah, I think this is the week that you maybe want to leak out some of those running backs, leak out some of those tight ends, make some easier options for Bonix. Um, because we saw how good that looked for Kentucky at times. They were doing that exact same thing, kind of getting Auburn's linebackers in bad positions with some running backs out of the backfield. Nathan, we've now seen what an SEC 
stadium is going to look like, what the crowd noise is going to be like. Did Auburn catch a break here? That they're only going to be seventeen to twenty thousand people at Georgia. I mean, how much of an impact is is that going to have on? Uh, how much does it help Auburn, if, if at all? I've, it's a tough place to play over there. Yeah, one hundred percent. You've got to. This is the year you think Gus Malzahn's got to take advantage. Um, he's got to get the Georgia monkey off of his back. Obviously, he's got the LSU, the Alabama, and the Georgia monkeys on the road, all still on his back, and he's got to you know fight off those demons at some point. But in terms of just Georgia, this is the year. I mean, this is – everything is set up. Um, you're currently looking at, again, their preseason fourth-string quarterback was the guy that saved them in the second half on, on offense, among other things. Um, they've got a really strong defense. But like you said, I mean, this crowd is not going to be um, what we've come to expect at Athens. I mean, these home games are just crazy They're over there. I mean, what the things that some of those students do, um, they're just so rowdy. They're one of the most tenacious crowds in the country. They're not going to let up the entire game. And Auburn fans made a lot of noise with only 17,000. I thought they did a good job. Georgia will do the same. Um, but, yeah, the communication is going to be easier. Um, it's not going to be as hostile for some of these young offensive players. This is the year. I mean, this is if you can't do it now, you know, when? I know that's kind of a you know, sweeping statement. Yeah, yeah. But it just really seems like you've got to capitalize right now um, with everything Georgia's going through. They're still a really talented team. Though. They've got Auburn beat in terms of talent. Um, so you still got to come in with a good game plan. The game is still obviously a few days away. We're just starting the week. Nate, you got an early prediction or you got to hold off on that? Any, I, I, guess I'll, I guess I'll hold off, but I will say that um, in terms of in Auburn's favor, I feel more confident after this weekend for the Tigers than I did ahead of time, ahead of these past weekend's games, just because of, like I said, competency. It seemed like Auburn has a good idea of what it wants, especially on the offensive side of the ball right now. It's just a matter of getting things executed 100%. Meanwhile, you look at Georgia, who's going to be the quarterback. Um, it seems like they've got a lot more questions, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Um, and they're feeling the pressure, too. Uh, you know, they, every, the nation saw them struggle against Arkansas in the first half. Um, I think they'll be feeling that pressure to get things going. And it's going to be a huge primetime game, college game day, all that stuff. Um, I think all eyes are going to be on Georgia, expecting them um, to really turn it around. So I think Auburn's got to take advantage of that. It sounds like you're lean in Auburn. I, I, could, I probably should have figured that. I've heard you're a raging homer, but uh, no, I, I kid, I kid. Well, listen, Nathan King, you've been great. You're going to be a great addition to the Auburn Undercover and 24-7 sports family. Uh, you got through this beautifully. I stumbled my usual 12 to 15 times. Again, everybody check out Nathan. Nathan, what's your Twitter? Let's get everybody to your Twitter, first of all. Uh, for sure, yeah. By Nathan King, like, I'm, like you're reading me on a story. Bye, Brilliant. I love it. I love it. <laughs> All right, by Nathan King on Twitter. Check out Nathan's work across Auburn Undercover this week. He's going to have a lot of great stuff leading up to the, uh, the Saturday game at Sanford Stadium, Auburn at Georgia, the Deep South's oldest rivalry. Really just a, fan, a fantastic rivalry, one that I didn't know much about until I started covering Auburn. I'm sure I'd watch the games, but I didn't know that the, the hate was there as much as it is. It's pretty freaking strong. I love it. I want to thank everybody for stopping by, and I hope you enjoyed this edition of the Auburn Undercover Podcast. Take care. Have a safe week, and let's talk Auburn, Georgia a little bit more. We're going to do this a few more times this week, and uh, that's it. Everybody take care. See you. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. 
Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.